0: Yeah, I, I'm Jackson. I have zero experience
1: with carpentry. I studied at a school for historic preservation in Boston and learned about how
2: things were built you know, 250 years ago. There's a long way to go. I'm nowhere near the top. Not that I thought I was, but there's so much more to do out there.
0: Welcome back to part two of our interview here with Dan. Uh, really not an interview, but just really fun to, to hear a lot about the work that you're doing and, um, Some of the business stuff i know last time we left off uh where we were feeling like there's so much more i think brent you said that we were scratching the surface and uh, a lot more we can dive into um i thought first topic we could just kind of start with that you touched on really early in our last interview was the concept of uh going into a trade immediately like you started when you're 17 right off the bat versus going into college um the specific question I have, I would love to just hear your general thoughts, but the specific question I would love to know is if you're talking to a, a new guy who's going out, um, trying to go into the field that you're in, um, would you encourage him to follow in your footsteps or do anything differently?
3: Well, first off, I think it's a, I think it's a tragedy that anybody would think that being a carpenter or a craftsman is less than any other Type of career. Mm-hmm. So I would absolutely encourage it. Um, I think that we don't, we don't really have to look that far to see a lot of really successful carpenters, not just in our company, but you know, lots of carpenters all, all across the nation. Um, I know that in, if you were a young man who wanted to come to work for us, uh, you certainly don't need a college degree to be successful as a carpenter but that also doesn't mean that what you're doing is dumb, no. you know, yeah. <laughs> like you will learn how to lay out complex geometry. You'll learn how to, um, you'll learn all kinds of things about the craft, like actually, actually executing the craft, but you will also learn about leadership mm-hmm. and about, uh, working as a team and about, leading crews. I mean, there's so much opportunity with all that and skills that, that not only will help you in the craft, but whatever else you might choose afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't always see is that you can start out as a carpenter. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a carpenter when you're 50 either. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of different paths that it can branch out to. And in our case, you can start as a carpenter. We have a young man uh, who has recently transitioned from a carpenter to an estimator mm-hmm. and he's, he's actually been very successful in his transition because of his deep understanding about the trade. Mm-hmm. So he has gone from the field to the office and from there he'll have all kinds of other opportunities. He could become an engineer and work on shop drawings. He could become a project manager and start to run projects. He could go into accounting, you know, and start working on the, on the finance side. Right. Um, and there's just so many other th- human resources, safety, um, logistics. There's all kinds of, of roles that are needed yeah. in a company like ours. So, um, you just listed or out you, about
1: eight degree specialties right, right know, there. Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> or you could, st- or
3: you could stay as a carpenter and you could become a master carpenter. Right. And, and for us, any one of those roles has a has a roadmap and and wage growth that's associated with it
0: i, I don't think your company's alone in that either no like, like i do think they're one it, you're a lot more likely to be uh looked upon for a position within your own company than a new hire right like, speaking personally i would rather promote from within
3: right <laughs> right. And we would rather have people who learn the trade from the ground up as well. Oh, totally. But that doesn't mean that we aren't open to new people coming in, mm-hmm. you know, at whatever level they are. So um, I would encourage if if you, for a lot of people, working with their hands is what they need, especially early on in their career. Yeah. And um, I know I needed it to a certain extent. I know a lot of other young men who need it and have thrived off of it. Mm. And it's not... It, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's In a, fact, there's, there's there should be a pride of like what you can build with mm-hmm. your own two hands. There's a
1: whole industry of jobs today, you know, that if we had to go back 150 years, it wouldn't exist. There's something real about being able to, you know, I always think about it. it there's the zombie apop- apocalypse. Uh, you know, they're are the highest value jobs yeah, in that scenario? We are. There's a yeah. book people there, who
3: can build things.
1: Uh-huh. There's a book called A no World Guns. Made by Hand, and it's basically a book about that. And he talks about the jobs that were there before and the jobs that aren't there now. And he goes and visits a government building, and the government guy is trying to move paper around and just <laughs> it just doesn't do anything. And he's actually you know raised in the pecking order of society because he's actually doing something that's tangible and real so yeah the, when you when you said you know to do something is is positive with your hands to be able to build something that's a, that's a big deal and yeah. you know it's it matters
3: and i'm you know don't get it the wrong like i'm not against college right. sounds like okay <laughs> um i'm not against college but i am against a scenario where a young guy or girl goes to school because they don't know what else to do, mm. and ends up with a bunch of debt. Yeah. And w- when maybe they're better suited for learning a trade. Mm-hmm. And and I know that with us, someone could come in, they could start early, they could hit the ground running, they could learn a lot, and and in many cases, we have people who are earning more than what someone. Is earning a, in a white collar um profession right, right out of college
0: plus deficit right you right. know like plus they're not having the debt the deficit
1: of college
3: right exactly
1: so um i want to talk about some of your your big jobs i'm thinking of the guys out there that might have you know two three five six eight guys right that you know uh wants to grow wants to go after a big job wants to kind of press himself. Um, what, are the, what are the challenges you think of, and, and I can think of some too, um, pay apps and cash flow and, and when you're going to get paid and things like that. What are some of the things that were, uh, helped you kind of get over that, that hump from just a few guys to doing a really big job and the lessons you learned going through that? I'm thinking, you know, let, let's give some advice, some practical advice to some guy of, of what he needs to think about when he wants to chase after that whale of a job.
3: Cash flow is a huge deal. Huge. Cash flow is very misunderstood. Um, it's not the same thing as profit and loss. You could be making a profit on paper and be going broke at the same time. Right. So understanding how cash flow works and having good tools and, and maybe the help that you need to, to forecast your cash flow, forecast what's coming in, forecast what's going out so that you know... Uh, whether you're going to have money in the bank three months from now. Right. Um, that was a, that's huge, huge, huge. I can't underline that one enough. Um, we invested very early on in a CFO to help us with that because I was clueless with that stuff. And, and I think if we had not had high-level or professional help with our accounting, we would be dead. Was
1: he a full time or part time CFO?
3: Started out as part time.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah. And um, and there's a and actually now today there's actually a lot of services out there for part time CFOs yeah. that yeah. are really affordable. Yeah. And uh, and I would counsel anybody who's wanting to grow to first invest in that. I like, agree. don't even don't even think about it. Don't think you can do it yourself. Po- bring in somebody who's a professional, mm-hmm. and you will learn so much from. From that person, that will apply to how you bid, how yeah. you think about your costs, how you think about markups, how you think about job costing, and and so many things. That if you don't bring that person in to help you right away, it's just going to be lessons learned yeah. that you're going to learn the hard way down the road, which and is maybe what, not which survive. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe not survive those lessons. Even with that, we had so many near death experiences. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, so but cash flow understanding cash flow and forecasting for cash flow would be a huge So one.
0: I think I know what we're talking about here, but just to see if I'm on the right page, when you're talking cash flow versus P&L, like profit and loss sheets, your profit and loss, you might be profitable on a job, but the job won't be completed for another two months.
1: So yeah, I'll even give though you, I'll on a balance example. sheet- I'll give you an example. Okay. You got a $100,000 contract. Yeah. Um, and for commercial jobs, I don't know about your jobs. They may pay faster, but commercial jobs that that especially if we're working for a county, um, we have to bill by the twentieth. Mm-hmm. Okay, for for work that's going to be completed by the end of the month, mm-hmm. and then ideally you get paid by the tenth of the following month. But that rarely happens, and sometimes that slips to the twentieth. The Michigan County Co- County Commissioners Court meeting where they're supposed to review that and approve that, and it might be forty-five days before you get your money, maybe even sixty days. Okay. So in the meantime, think about every week, your guys wanna get paid for their job, but you don't, you haven't, you draw, let's say you start on the first and you've got three weeks of work in and you draw on the 20th, knowing that you're not gonna get money, best case until the 10th. So now you've been working for 40 days with no money and every week your guys want money and every week you gotta pay for materials
3: it's not just they want money you're obligated to make payroll <laughs> <laughs> and not just them but also the government with yeah. the payroll taxes
1: uh-huh. and so yeah, <laughs>
0: it's obligated.
3: not
1: an option <laughs> mm-hmm. the uh so you're paying your guys every week right mm-hmm. but you're not getting your money that's cash flow right yeah. that, that you need to manage the cash the yeah. flow of the cash until you get paid and sometimes that can be with the bank sometimes that can be with you know uh factoring that can be with some right. other stuff but
3: so essentially and, and, and what brent is describing is one project right imagine right. that multiplied by 20 projects right where you're where you need to forecast all of this incoming cash that's coming in at different rates of pay like 45 days for us is good yeah actually yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as an average um and then wow. you're and then all of these outgoing expenses that could be more like going out weekly right you know mm, you're exactly. getting paid every you know, once a month, you know that that's on a forty-five to sixty-day lag from mm-hmm. when you bill it. But then you have all these expenses going out weekly, and so you gotta have a system for keeping track of that. So does that look like so creating that you a don't reservoir? Spend all your cash before you receive the the income. Right.
0: So kind of creating a buffer, <coughs> knowing hey, we've got hundred thousand in the bank.
3: Well, you're you're
1: mapping out your cash flow, right? You're, you're mapping you're ma- it out. You're yeah. mapping out. Hey, but I, you know. Yeah, I'm getting paid. I won't get money for that job, but I'm getting money for this job. And then our cash balances this much, and we're, our outgoing balances this much. So we should be able to make it. But yeah.
2: I
0: see
1: why you need a CFO. Yeah, yeah no, it's
2: it's it's uh, it's hard. Yeah, and then you're trying to do that on top of managing crews and estimating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and that goes to the second thing. So you you got a bigger company, you know yeah you know,
1: you you're, how you getting jobs uh, you know marketing and just uh, making sure that you, if you hire five guys you can keep them busy past that job you hired them for
3: that's a big one i think that's one that scares a lot of guys is like man i hire let's say i have a 10 man crew yeah and i put those guys on a job or two jobs or three well you need to make sure that there's another job after that right. or another handful of jobs to make sure that those guys are going right into the next work. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, a big, a big part of our philosophy as a company is that every guy gets 40 hours worth of work every week of the year. Mm-hmm. We we don't want to be one of those companies that's like, well, we don't really have anything this week. We'll see you, in you know, three know weeks, sorry. So, yeah. So no, we we, we put a we that. actually put a lot of energy into not only winning the work because you can't overwin, like you can win too much at one time and screw yourself in the process or you can not have enough work, right? Either one of those are problems. But in order to do that well, you have to have a way of forecasting out how your current work uh, looks against your capacity. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have 10 guys on your crew, that's a certain amount of man hours that you have to fill every month yeah right and you need to be able to have a system that schedules out the the upcoming work that you have under contract and allows you to see in which months you can take new work
0: so if you're doing that practically uh you know that's f- 10 people 40 hours a week that's 1600 hours a month that you're trying to forecast out when you're bidding jobs because y'all are primarily install correct
3: we're provide and install yeah but a, bit, a big part, 50% of our business is field carpentry. Okay, yeah. Okay, and, the, and then another 40% of our business is material mm-hmm. sales. Yeah. And the last part is engineering. Right. Shop drawings and engineering.
0: So when you're bidding out those jobs in advance, is it one of those systems where you're like, hey, we will take your job, we got to wait two weeks before we've got the guy, the manpower to start it. Or sometimes you all be ready for us in six months. Cause how far out are you guys planned?
3: We are, we can see how our backlog spreads itself out over the future as far as it goes. Okay. So I can see that, um, like right now mm-hmm. I can see that in the month of April, I'm currently overbooked. Okay. And I'm underbooked in the month of November. I need work in that time period. So what do you do? Well, because of, because of our knowledge of how this works, I know that April will likely smooth itself out mm-hmm. and that work will move back further into the year. But I know that we need to target the last quarter of the year for new work. Yeah. We need to be signing up work now that we will start to, to uh, mobilize field uh, crew on, in the in last November. part of the year. So
1: how long, how many years in business do you think it was before your name and your reputation were strong enough that you could begin to count on work?
3: I remember in the first, in probably the first three or four years, I would keep a box of folders in my truck, like press kits. You know, we had made we had made these folders that oh. had, you know, like, pictures of work. work that we had yeah, done, you yeah. know, like a brochure portfolio almost. And every job site I saw, I'd stop at. Really? So probably hundreds, if not a thousand or more jobs I'd stop at and cold call. Wow. And, um, and
0: who are you talking to on those job sites? Homeowner or? Probably it'd be the trailer? builder.
3: It'd okay. usually be the builder. Yeah. there would be a job trailer there, you know, and I would sure. knock on the door and yeah, <laughs> and, Dan <Parish> is, yeah. <laughs> and <clears throat> most of those were rejections yeah. but um in fact i stopped at this one project it was this ginormous project uh-huh. which i knew was way out of our league <laughs> and there was it was so big there was a tower crane oh on the job God.
1: a residential project residential
3: project wow. yeah Wow. and i stopped anyways and i got quickly escorted out like <laughs> almost physically security, kicked security. off the job <laughs>
0: You know you're making uh, it big when you got security at a job yeah.
3: <laughs> but it but it, the reason i bring it up is because it was so sweet when like it was about three years later mm-hmm. th- uh we got brought into that job to wrap up like the final little dregs of install because wow. the other guy That's was funny. having a hard time finishing wow I was like, that hey, is cool remember me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. security guard oh yeah <laughs> yeah but no i i cold called a lot of jobs yeah a lot so and we networked like the ICAA. Yeah. We did a lot of networking there. I I, I just like tried I to talk think to everyone was, was I could. It was probably
1: seven eight years before you know your name was established. Is the, yeah, is that an accurate thing? Maybe yeah. I, I a feel little like little faster w- than that.
3: There was a little bit of luck involved too, in that we started in in two thousand seven, mm. which was right when the recession started, mm-hmm. and whatever the, the business climate for our niche of the market was such that in 09 and 10 and 11 the builders were a little more open to new blood mm. and there was a lot of pressure on them for pricing and we happened to be in there no. kind of underpricing no, everything no. right <laughs> not on purpose but right, right. but we were you know we were lower than the more established guys and yeah and we had to mark the the environment where people were open to it and i was chasing everybody i could you know i could find yeah Put all those things together and and that kind of helped establish our name in the market
0: yeah that's awesome yeah uh, so we, we do have two other companies that are here as well how long did it take you guys to establish a name for yourselves
2: probably for me like three years to just really have the phone ringing consistently mm-hmm. word of mouth referrals um, we did home and garden shows just you know portfolios people walking by Oh yeah, I need some trim work. You know, come on by. Yeah. Um, now it's at a point where, I mean, I still get so many calls and so many emails that I can't even keep up with them because mm-hmm. we're you get more so busy. incoming than
3: than what you oh, need. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So I would say three to five years to really be established. I think one of the questions I have for you is one of the common misconceptions that at least I've had is. You always hear people say, you know, keep it small, keep it all, or this other thing. When you have quantity of employees, you'll start to lose quality, like especially in carpentry. So I've I've had this misconception, like to do awesome skilled carpentry, you kind of got to be small. But you've just proven me wrong today, which I'm so glad you came. This is like free consulting for me, because <laughs> I'm like, wait, this guy's doing it. So what? What do you say to that misconception of like, well, if you wanna do awesome jobs and not you know, lose on quality and grow, like how do you balance those?
3: I, I, I think that there's actually no right way. I think you just gotta choose what you want. I think that um, you can be very successful financially and otherwise as a small outfit. And, you, and it is true that you have more control Mm-hmm. you know if you are the owner and you are small enough to be working with your guys on a daily basis and you really care about the craft you're going to create a really tight high-performing team yeah and there's nothing wrong with that uh, and and I think you can be very successful financially doing it that way too um, one of the reasons that we are the size that we are and and one of the reasons why we want to be even bigger is because a big part of what turns me on and some of the other leaders at, at Millworks is growing people. Mm -hmm. And we realize that we kind of have to have a thing that's always growing. If we want people to stick here, stick around and to build a career and to grow themselves, the thing needs to be bigger and it needs to be growing otherwise people are going to cap out
2: right get bored
3: yeah or and leave you know Mm -hmm. like hit a ceiling where they can't go any higher and have to move on to some place else and that's not terrible that people move from company to company Mm -hmm. you know it's not like it's not a terrible thing but Mm -hmm. we want we, we it's really important to us that we have a place where people and craftsmen can grow and can grow their career over a long period of time with a lot of tra- trajectory to it. So, so that's one of the that's one of, that's probably the biggest reason why I love that. We're I growing. Think that's
1: awesome. I, I, you know so you know let's have some back and forth here. I mean you know you're challenged in a good way, right? To, the to to maybe try to grow because you're seeing hey maybe I'm not you know maybe I could do that maybe I could grow. What what questions do you have for him? Do you sit there and go, yeah, but, yeah, but, or, or are you, what are you thinking?
2: For me, I'm, I'm kind of like fired up to try it now. Like I've been in the same position for the past 10, 11 years now, like I've mentioned in the first podcast earlier, just seeing the other side that there is a higher calling for higher end stuff and it makes me want want to grow, really, like what you just said. I like to see people succeed. And- well,
3: let me put it to you like this: I would say that what's going to happen is you just have to take a leap of faith and hire somebody, mm-hmm. right? There's no like, yeah, you can read stuff, and there's you know there's lots of ideas and stuff out there, but at the end of the day, you just got to you just got to take the jump, mm-hmm. you know. And then what's going to happen is as you hire people, new problems come up. Like new new things that you have to solve and and I would say that that is a craft mm-hmm. it's it's basically the same thing that you get challenged with this new thing that you're that Brent wants you to build,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and it's like, whoa, how are we gonna do this today mm-hmm. and then you figure it out, you know, and that's it's the exact same thing that's gonna happen as you grow your team.
2: There's a lot of fear in it, like the thing you said about oh if i if I hire someone. Now I've got to have guaranteed work for this person because they're depending on me. Their family's depending on me. Yep. So it's a lot of pressure that. I've So it's always, like,
3: how are you going to solve that problem? Yeah, that's how, how are you going to make sure that this is where a lot of our systems have come from? How are we going to make sure that every guy has forty hours worth of work every week, all year? Yeah. How are we going to do that? How are we going to make sure that uh, that you know we keep our guys employed?
1: You know, it may be that, you know, um, you know, you, we've got some big jobs coming up bigger than you can handle, mm -hmm. you know, and it could be something that, and we would love to have you on the job, but it could be a simple matter of what Dan's saying. Just like, you know, I need to solve this problem so that I can go do this work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I could pick up two guys who could do, and I'm there to lead and and they're there to, you know, still have the quality, you know, do more work. And, you know, I, the first guy I hired, David White, um, I hired him because he knew how to do radius work at the Hill County Courthouse. I had these radius transoms. I didn't know how to do it. I was like, you know, and- He was a solution in and of himself. He was a solution in <laughs> itself, And so he helped, when you said that, you know, he did solve a problem um, and helped us, you know, move forward. And he's still with you. He's still with me. That was the first guy you that hired?
2: first guy I hired. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, the other uh, aspect of it is like, you know, just finding- A job that is bigger than yourself too, probably right. Like, would that be the step one?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I've you know before I started working with you guys, it's like every job I got like those emails that still pour in. It's it's a kind of job that's not enough for really more than one or two people. It's like those ones like wainscoting in a nursery, um, beams on a ceiling, so. I guess, you know, those are just homeowners coming to me. What kind of advice do you have for people trying to get involved with more hiring builders and like expanding their their jobs in that regard versus just, because I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there like me who, and I know they are because I see them. They go from house to house just doing one-off jobs here and there. Like, how did you, you went and gave them your brochures and got escorted off and stuff, but persistence. Yeah. 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 I mean,
3: I, I think a lot of built, like Brent is practically begging you to build a crew. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Thank you for desperate. noticing that. Uh, I think that builders really need, they need the talent, mm-hmm. but they're also, they also have a lot of risk. So they can't just like, They have to be fairly certain that they're that they're hiring somebody who's going to come through so (laughs) persistence Mm -hmm. you know you can't just ask a guy for a job one time and expect him to say yeah here's all my work you know for going forward maybe try something small see if he'll give you a room one room you know something small to as a test like be okay with a test and, uh, but, but if you can find a way that you can show them what you got, and then they're going to just, they're going to realize they're gonna too, keep you going not understand
1: you. the challenges the builder is dealing with. And so mm-hmm. sometimes on these big, huge jobs. I mean, with dance crews, it's probably not true, but but I know that they're hiring three millwork firms. You know.
3: Oh yeah, you know? it's it's uh, that's common on our projects. Yeah. So I mean, yeah.
1: you know, they're for you to go and Well, they've already got somebody. You don't know what they've got. Mm-hmm. You know that persistence that Dan was talking about, and just you know, you know those could be discouraging things. You know, continually being you know, uh, you know turned down. But it, it's you're also shooting yourself in your foot if mm-hmm. if you say. Well, they they they've got too many people. No, no, no. You don't understand the challenges that they're having. And you know, we're for that big job that we've got out there at the ranch. When we do the big house, we're probably going to have three trim crews. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's plenty of work. And if yeah. you did ask
2: for a room, we it would be no problem. Yeah, I remember the other day when you, uh, we talked briefly. You were like, "How's it going? Or, Are we keeping you busy?" I'm like, "I can't keep up with it." Like. <laughs> So that should have been a sign to maybe hire someone else. (laughs) But um, I don't know. I'm just... Brent's been working on you all day about this, man. I just can't find anyone who... No, I'm just kidding. I
3: I actually had a situation where I cold called a builder. This is a long time ago and and there's still a client. Cold called a builder and he flat out told me, nope, we've already hired somebody, you know, not here. And three days later, they called me back up and said, actually, why don't you come back out and turned out they had hired somebody, but they were struggling with this guy. He wasn't, wasn't showing up or whatever. And and because I had stopped by, they were like, Hey, that kid seemed like <laughs> he was pretty hungry. You know? Yeah. Maybe we should give him a shot. And we ended up getting the project and we've worked for that builder ever since. I think it's, we're going on like year 12 with that builder. Wow. So so like what Brent was saying, you know, don't even if you get rejected, like you don't know what kind of issues they're dealing with or what's going on with their current sub base. It could be that they're a little scared to make the jump to a new one, but maybe in a couple days time or, or in the next month, you know, they'll have enough pain to where they they're like, yeah, remember that kid that showed up? he seemed like he had you know he seemed like he was wanting to do a good job and this i can't even get this guy to show up
2: when they're i've heard that (laughs) i've heard that well the funny thing is i haven't even had the opportunity to be rejected because they've kept us so busy that i haven't (laughs) had to even talk to anyone (laughs) but i called um well actually i met andrew Bettis, Mm, Bill bettis yeah his son at the building and brew and we've talked briefly and he said the same exact thing he said can you come install this door over here for me. But we had just started that window uh, repair. And I was like, I, I just can't do it right now. He's like, a guy that we've been working, working with for years has just been giving us the runaround. Like he's not showing up, just kind of sending people who don't know what they're doing. And he said that he's seeing a change right now in high-end trim carpentry that like People, the good people are kind of like retiring and just kind of fading out. Yep. So it kind of looks like all the signs are. There's pointing. opportunity. Yeah,
3: yeah. There's opportunity.
2: Is there is there any
0: fear like this is where my head would be at, Richard, of bringing someone on who's just a total jackwagon? Who you're like? That's a
2: big fear of mine. Because
0: then my my thought was like, what if you used one of those. And this is fun because i'm the apprentice and don't know anything but i'm like <laughs> offering advice what if you use those smaller job like the smaller like two person one person whatever jobs like that's that a good idea where you would that go with one idea. and then john goes with another one and you bring two guys in who y'all train up personally
1: well i mean it, it, that's a genius idea well i'm mean, just for, the apprentice, for the apprentice. So, I mean you you just said you've got all these emails. I mean talk about practice jobs where you could try a guy <laughs> out, right you yeah. you've got these jobs that don't really matter they' they're they're, they're wainscoting a nursery in and your face nursery owners and and and, and uh,
2: new baby The owners. reality
3: is is you just because you hire somebody doesn't mean that you have to keep them employed mm-hmm. well, yeah. especially if you're really clear with them at the beginning, you could say, I'm going to give you two weeks. And you'll work with me, and if it's not a good fit, then then we'll just say, you know, we'll we'll
2: part ways. No harm, just right. Separate. So it's not
3: necessarily signing yourself up for life. Mm-hmm. Totally, you know.
2: Yeah, have like a probationary period, right? Because you are married now, to your current. You got to be co- cognizant. That? You're married to your current coworkers
0: sister. So <laughs> yeah. a that little, situation uh, <laughs> might be different, but you're fired. You're locked in. See and, you at Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. my, my point is, is
3: that you have to treat people fairly mm-hmm. and, you, and you, you know, you can't just like you, you can't have the kind of philosophy where it's just hire and fire people at will, right? Or, mm-hmm. or hire and fire because one day I need them and the next day. I don't having a team is a commitment, but to get started, you know, to find the right people, you don't, you, you can have a trial period. Mm-hmm. Where you try them out, and if it doesn't work, you can part ways.
2: Where do you usually like find your employees? Just put out ads and stuff?
3: Well, right now, um, we, almost all of our incoming part carpenters are referred by other carpenters. Why
1: don't you put yeah. an ad on your YouTube page? Sam, yeah, you probably have a huge
3: pipeline,
2: yeah. you might get too many. I, I know that's the fear, <laughs> yeah. I'm watching. Richard I know. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm just like this thing. I'm loving I'm, it. Ma- I'm making a life decision live here. <laughs> 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 well, the other thing you mentioned that I never really thought about this either. If I do hire more people, I might have time to focus on that more, which I've always thought the opposite way. But I'm sure there's some growing pains there before I get to that point. Obviously, but yeah, I'm. I'm just
1: one of the things, one of the great things that Dan's done. Is he has built systems into his business and uh, has provides a real clarity, something that we don't do. I wish we did. Um, uh, as far as as far as expectations, as far as you know, a framework so that they can be successful. And the mistake I always made when I hired people was just go figure it out, <laughs> and and that is not the way to lead. Okay, that is not the way. And and we grew to, you know. I think we had 80 people working for us at one point and it was, it was a nightmare, right? Because my, I'm the vision guy. I'm kind of sales and dreamer. I'm not a systems guy and, and laying all that stuff out. But so what I would say is if you did want that time to do that, you need to, one thing that I'm envious of his is the system and framework that he's building for his guys, which is helps them to be successful. And of course, gives him, you know, makes him successful as well. So. But if you built that framework, I guess is my point, those guys can and will be successful and would give you that time. But, but I don't think you're just hiring somebody and then, yeah, it worked out. Great. Yeah. He t- takes care of everything. The likelihood of finding that guy is like probably one
2: in 30. I think it's that fear. It's just fear is all yeah. it is. It's like yeah. you said, take a leap of faith, try it out. see if so,
3: so here's the thing I've learned about that, which is almost every decision you make can be unmade and it's really easy to get paralyzed by, well, is it the right decision, you know, and try to figure it all out to, to the nth degree. Sometimes it's better just to move forward, make the decision, knowing that if it doesn't work out, just undo it, just stop doing it.
1: And you're lucky yeah. you know? that if we hired you, we you would have a lot of grace there, mm-hmm. you know, just like, we'll figure it out. It's
2: inspiring.
3: I almost feel like, you know, a lot of success is, is someone's ability to undo bad decisions quickly you know more yeah. than their ability to make perfect or great decisions yeah because yeah, there's true. there's like uh if you're moving forward and you're making the decision there's things that you learn in that experience you know and almost everything can be undone like i i've gotten myself into some really bad scrapes business-wise but i've but almost everything can be dealt with mm-hmm. you know You can, you can get out of it. And if you're talking about, you know, just one or two additional people as a, as a, as a first step into that, do it, just do it. See what you learn from it.
2: Yeah. And then I can always, not that that's the goal, but you're saying I can always just go back to the normal operation. Why not? Yeah.
3: You know, you can, you can survive a mistake. Mm -hmm. Just, just be clear with your team and your people about what you're doing.
1: The illusion is, is that bigger is better. Right. And that, uh, I think it's an illusion. It was an illusion for me. Let me say it that way. And and I had to right size my myself and and to to a level that I could uh, um, commit to perform at. You know, do what I said what I was going to do. My brother in law one time said, told me, you know, ninety percent of success is doing what you say you're going to do. Right? You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be. You know, hmm. but being honest and just doing what you say you're going to do is huge and so anyway a couple ideas in there but just kind of finding the right size for you i i think outside looking in it's you know three to five guys for you some maybe two crews but definitely one firm crew that you could go out and perform our jobs and and, and do our stuff i don't see you having 20 guys and being this administrative oversight guy but you've got you've been in business with a good enough reputation and with Bettises and us and and you know other contractors that you haven't even reached out to the uh you've got um a lot of opportunity yeah and, th- and this market needs good trim carpenters
2: that's what i keep hearing there's definitely a lot of potential because gary was
0: saying that trim carpenters were the most important part of a job.
2: Well, everything we just walked through that house, yeah. everything that is Steak beautiful down. in there is carpentry, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's I'm biased, but yeah, the whole house set. <laughs> yeah, the no, trim carpentry. No, awesome. everything's beautiful. But
3: so now that we're live, what's your decision?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need that uh that sheet, the test sheet, so I can start handing that out. Yeah. No, but, I'm thinking. I'd be I happy think,
3: to help, her however you want.
2: That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think I'll go for it. Actually, let's, let's do it.
0: Cool. <laughs> Hold them to it. The, uh, the email
2: uh, Jackson Hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
1: Dan, what about what else for you? What are you uh, what What happens this year? You're 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 building your team. Kind of you're focusing on that this year. I love that statement that you're in the business of. Would you say building people? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. W- w- one thing that we that I really learned is I need to have a measured pace when it comes to growth, and um, like first things first kind of a thing. In other words, we have some things that we need to get in place before I push the growth much further. Mm-hmm. Um, things like some basic things like um, an ERP software system the current one that we have is kind of bulging at the seams. Um, we need to get the, we really need to get the the carpentry or MBD university concept implemented and embedded and like moving, mm-hmm. you know, with momentum.
1: Who, who, who leads those charges? Is that you leading those or is that you, do you have a team that everybody- I have a
3: team? Yeah. I have a small team of people who report to me. And, and we work together with, with implementing those kinds of things. Yeah. And, and not just them, but also people under them as well. Like, do so you feel like your primary role is kind of leadership? Is it sales?
1: Is it, is, what do you, what do you do day to day now that
3: my primary role is first and foremost leadership and, and structure of the organization, communication, um, Key decisions. Uh, um, also, uh, you know, I'm, I am trying to stay as close as I can to projects, so project managers and projects and clients, and I am spending a good chunk of my time this year in sales.
1: Does uh, the so, company run without you?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I could, I could leave for a couple of weeks, and everything would keep happening.
1: Could you leave for a year?
3: That's a good question. Maybe Let's I'll try, try it next year, <laughs> <laughs> 2024. I have thought about um, taking my family to Europe for a couple months in 2024, and that might be a good test.
1: I've been challenged by a guy I'm meeting with, uh, Mark Richardson, he's kind of a consultant to help me out. And his thing is, you know, your business isn't valuable until it can run without you. And uh, I've been sitting there thinking, you know, you know, probably the millwork runs without me. But the the building side doesn't, and so uh, there are some two week, three week vacations I'm hoping to take, but uh, don't know if how it how it work. But uh, it's it's it it's a challenge. It's uh, it's you think about your business differently.
3: Yeah, I I think we're on our way to that point, and because I think I have the people in place now that um, have that level of ownership. And there's a lot of things that are happening that um, require only a little bit of investment between me and, um, you know, the director under me, who's making that happen. And then they multiply that amount of interaction into their teams and things are happening through that interaction. And so that's really encouraging. And, uh, and I definitely want to have it the type of business where I don't have to be there for it to run, but. This is still a, a trades business, and the ch- contractors want—they want to be able to talk to an owner.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, and I love what I do, right? So it's not like I'm trying to go away for a year, but I I would like a little less, you know, the
2: Hands holding on. me down. Yeah, right. it's a good question though, because it makes you kind of reverse engineer what it would take to do that. I mean, you've got yeah all these systems in place.
3: Yeah, reverse engineering is a good way to think about it.
2: Um obviously mine is dead without me <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's just cool all the different levels we have here and systems I think your your systems are what makes you successful you're very it seems like you have a very analytical mind yeah kind of a nerd <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a little bit
0: of a pivot to a selfish question uh, that I want to know I asked these guys earlier um, and I don't know if the episode's released yet, so stay on the lookout. But uh, I asked what what's a good starter tool set that you would recommend uh, to someone who's looking at getting into uh, finished carpentry. And mm. um, so let's say I'm one of your level one employees. Uh, you give me my day one, my back to school list of <laughs> what are the items I need. Your backpack up. Yeah, to bring in my backpack my power rangers backpack day one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
3: well we have a list of hand tools like, like tools that you'd want to have in your, in your vest or Mm -hmm. on in your bags, like on your person, um, rangers backpack, you know, definitely a, uh, you know, your hammer, your chisels, sharp chisels. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff, power tools. You're probably starting with a drill and an impact driver. Um, jigsaw. Okay. Maybe a router. Router's probably down the road a little bit. Okay. You're not going to be able to get a lot done without a chop saw. Right. So, you know, a chop saw and a small table saw is probably something you want to get early on. Okay. Like you're not, you really can't get that far without a, without some saws. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. And would, uh, would y'all provide some table saws on the job site or would it be better if, you know, and chops out probably too.
3: Yeah, our well, our program is we we provide large tools. Okay. So we provide uh, we'll provide track saws, door mortisers, table saws, okay. planers, things like that. Yeah. Uh, our carpenters provide the rest of the tools, mm-hmm. but uh, we do provide a rebate program to kind of help guys out. Yeah. And invest in their tools. That's great. Yeah.
0: That's a cool idea. Well, that those are some very helpful first set of tools. The one that I'm missing right now is uh chisels. I think that's the the gap in my Do you have a
1: favorite chisel right now?
3: You know what, it's been a long time since I've used a chisel. <laughs> Truth How be told. How long has it been? Years. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Same with you, right? Yeah. There's some uh, when going back out and doing the videos and working out there has been the has been great and it's been fun relaxing uh getting back into working with my hands but uh i had to restock up you know so yeah. somehow all my chisels were gone and all my tools were gone so i uh, had to
3: restock yeah i mean fun. i was kind of old school when i i had the Marbles yeah chisels with the with the blue handles yeah. and and i was lucky enough to have jed dixon teach me how to sharpen a chisel yeah, like really sharpen that. a chisel that and was what,
1: the, one of the first things we did at North Street is learn how to sharpen tools. Oh
3: man, I would, yeah.
1: He said, "You know how
0: good a carpenter is by how sharp his chisels are."
3: Yeah. Well, after that. after uh, I think Gary and I both ran into Jed about like and started learning about sharpening chisels about the same time. Yeah. And uh, it was it made such a difference, like just with your craftsmanship to have truly sharp chisels. Mm. And after that, it was like you better be able to shave you know shave yeah. some arm hair off with it or yeah. it's not sharp enough
2: wow do you do it on yeah. a like a stone like a wet stone
3: yeah we did it on a on a wet stone and then finished it with a leather strap mm-hmm yep
2: that's cool I know you, earlier um you said you provide the the big machines like the saws mm-hmm. you provide the table saw miter saw anything
3: we, table saws we don't provide miter saws. okay yeah guys are providing their own miter saws
2: and then dust collection you provide yes and then any small joiners or planers that would be you yeah or
3: or things like track saws we have a we have some track saws and we have some door mortisers and you know things that are kind of oddball and also expensive yeah that a guy may not use all the time right we get so you said and and our general policy is like if there's a tool out there that we don't that you don't have and we don't have that's gonna obviously make this job easier mm -hmm. Go get it. Yeah, you know we'll buy it mm-hmm. because it's all getting the right tool is always cheaper than somebody trying to you know G-O do it with, with the wrong tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it could save you hours just having the right totally setup. Sure. Yeah, For you sure. said you have um, saw stops on your yeah. jobs. Have you ever? Has any guy ever set one off? Oh yeah, really? Yeah, we. What is a saw but, stop?
3: Well, a saw stop is the, is those. It's a table saw brand okay. that has a mechanism inside of it that senses when the blade is oh. touching flesh. Oh wow! And it will stop the blade.
1: It throws this plastic thing up into the blade whenever it touches it. And there's examples of them, like taking a hot dog wiener and putting it in there. And it just barely cuts it. Bang!
0: I don't know if I'd trust the company that doesn't use a real. no the i think the owner
3: they have they have had people really do it yeah
0: oh my gosh that's a lot of trust in your product right there yeah
3: yeah and so i think we've had we have had maybe two trips that were actual fingers most of the trips are when we have a when the board is a little bit too wet yeah that's or there's a little bit of metal like it hits a nail or something
1: joint and they would knock it off it kind of drove us crazy yeah because
2: it's expensive to reset yeah. it right it's like a oh,
3: yeah it's, it's like a couple 20, hundred bucks to yeah. reset it and time mm-hmm. you know because oh,
2: so it, it puts it out a commission that's it not takes like the a, blade out oh, you know okay. it
3: kills the blade puts the saw out of commission got it yeah but you know we stock extra cartridges and mm-hmm. to us so here's a here's another big thing about a you know a larger crew is that safety is huge Mm -hmm. it's it's very easy to keep a small crew on the same page about safety but uh we learned the hard way with a couple years of a lot of injuries that we had to really take it seriously yeah and like so seriously that we had to make it a core value of the company Mm -hmm. that part of our job is to is to take care of our people yeah and um so that's a big part of the saw stop thing is like we're just not gonna risk it Yeah, we're not gonna risk it
2: so is, is a safety, safety glasses, are you requiring like yep. steel toe boots or anything like that? We or? require
3: work boots. Mm-hmm. So we're more after ankle support than steel. We don't re- require steel. In some cases, steel's more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, it, our whole thing is that we want our safety program to be practical and relevant mm-hmm. to our trade. Cause a lot of the safety literature that's out there just feels gimmicky and like Mm -hmm. too much, you know, like no one's going to show up to the job site dressed all in orange, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, so we do require work boots. Um, and we require glasses when someone is doing a task that, that has dust or, Mm. you know, has particles Mm -hmm. and, um, and we have other rules as well but yeah. we we try to keep it really relevant and really practical to you know what the, what we're actually doing.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, carpenters are the ones usually who don't are missing fingers and stuff. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's like.
3: But you know, going to the cash flow thing, if if you're a large company and you have a lot of injuries, the cost of your workers' comp insurance is going to be astronomical, mm. and it could put you out of business. If, yeah, that's crazy. You know, yeah. where on the flip side of that is if you have a really good record you you have very low injuries your workers comp insurance can be even less expensive than market price wow you know so there's yeah, a there's an true. offset there
1: that's awesome dude it's been awesome having you here yeah it's really been great
3: thanks for having me thank
1: you for coming into town it's fun showing you around and uh it's awesome yeah, seeing your jobs great, too. great great insight yeah, great insight into yeah a lot life. of the fun insight Takeaways for me is just a, it was a lot of
0: practical business application uh, on top of really practical carpentry knowledge, which made it, uh, I think, really helpful and uh, really insightful. So it was really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, awesome. you definitely motivated me to explore other options of the way I'm running stuff. And um, yeah, you know, like you said, I've, I've you translated that Brent is asking me to (laughs) to hire more people. I'll be following up in six months to make sure you hired a few guys. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Seriously, that's cool.
3: Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate talking to you guys. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, really awesome connecting with you again, Brent, because yeah, it's been too long. It's been a long time. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, Dan Parrish, everyone. Uh, thanks for watching the passion for craft podcast uh your company once again is millworks by design millworks by design so be looking for the millworks by design university there you go (laughs) if you want to learn something yep all right we'll see you next time